Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. There's no bigger public health challenge than a mass epidemic outbreak like Ebola or Zika. But when it comes to tackling these big disease outbreaks, identifying what patients have what quickly and without false positives is an incredibly time-consuming effort. But hopefully some new research from different sides of the world will make identification of Zika and Ebola much safer and quicker. The Ebola crisis, which really started to take off in 2014, has been one of the largest public health crises faced by the world in recent years. And it led to a mass mobilisation of researchers, medical professionals and humanitarian efforts to help tackle and address not only the symptoms of the illness, the spread of the disease, but also trying to identify better ways to treat it and also any root causes or screening methods that can be used. Now, the volivirus disease has been around since 1976, where two simultaneous outbreaks occurred, one in South Sudan and the other in what is now the Democratic Republic of Congo. And the, the later one there actually occurred near the Ebola River, which is where the disease is named after. And the 2014 to 2016 outbreak in West Africa was one of the most challenging and largest disease outbreaks we've ever seen, especially considering how devastating and deadly this disease is. In that large outbreak, there were more outbreaks and deaths from Ebola than had ever before been recorded and attributed to the disease. It started in Guinea and then spread across borders to Sierra Leone and Liberia, and also spread out through not only Africa, but the rest of the world, particularly as people obviously came into those areas for trade, for humanitarian efforts, for medical treatment, and then went back to their home countries, taking often the disease with them as carriers. And as in all infectious disease epidemics, it became a full-blown public health emergency on a national and international level. Now, the Ebola virus itself uh, is generally thought to have started in the fruit bat family, which are sort of the natural host for Ebola. And humans actually get it through contact with the secretions or bodily fluids of any infected animals, from chimpanzee, gorillas, fruit bats, monkeys, you name it. And that gets passed along to humans. Once you're in human-to-human transmission, then it's the same as well, through broken skin, mucousy membranes, blood, secretions, organs, or anything else, even bedding and clothing that have been contaminated with these fluids. And that's a real problem because that means if you're trying to help people who are suffering and dying, then you're also putting yourself at risk. And there were many cases of those people who are trying to help those with the disease actually also coming down with themselves. Now, Ebola itself, and at least that particular outbreak in West Africa, has been gotten on top of since about late 2016. So we're living in a world now where we have a better handle on that particular outbreak of Ebola. But we still want to be ready and prepared for the next outbreak. And so some research from Northumbria University in Newcastle in England have been trying to identify faster ways for testing and identifying if someone actually has Ebola. Because one of the big challenges that we had previously is that the tests actually took around six to eight hours of sophisticated lab work to actually definitely identify if someone was carrying the Ebola virus. And that is really problematic in a mass epidemic situation where you don't have the luxury of time 
to undertake that kind of testing for everybody. For example, uh, there was about 28,000 people who contracted the disease, and the mortality rate was very high, around 40%. The problem is that people had to walk, in many cases, for hours, traveling for hours, to actually get to treatment centers. When, when they got to the treatment centers, then they had to have samples taken, and then they had to be processed. And every time you take another step in that chain, you're leaving that person in a state of uncertainty. And that's good and bad for a couple of reasons. Well, okay, yes, they don't know for sure if they have it or don't have it. But it does mean that they are potentially coming into contact with many, many more people and potentially passing on and spreading the disease, which is not good. And whilst people were put in the uncertain category, that also exposed them to other risks. It's isolating for one, but it also meant they're exposed to other risks for things such as malaria and other diseases. Because those street symptoms can present similar to Ebola and they could get diagnosed as a false positive, also leading to bad health outcomes for otherwise healthy people. Especially if you lump all those people together and say, oh, well, it looks like you might have Ebola, so we'll leave you with other people who we think might have Ebola. And even if you just have malaria, now you're going to end up with potentially malaria and Ebola, which is not great. So these researchers have been trying to find a way to help improve the detection and a simple screening test that can be undertaken, administered quickly and cheaply to help identify if you have Ebola. And that's incredibly important for improving our public health response. Now, Dr. Moshos and his team at Northumbria University have been working on a new point-of-care diagnostic platform. When point-of-care means that it's right there at the point of patients being treated, not halfway across the world in a lab somewhere and they call it Ebola check and the idea is that this will be deployed at the scene of an outbreak at the ground zero or close to it and this test can be carried out with a very very small amount of blood it only requires a very small pinprick of a finger of blood which is about 700 times smaller than what was previously needed and the test itself only takes about 70 minutes to complete now if you compare that to seven hours with a lot more blood in halfway across the world, you can see how this test is a huge, huge improvement. As a result, the test is a lot safer because you don't need to expensively and time-consumingly and from a health perspective, dangerously take a lot of people's blood uh, in the field. You can do it with this simple pinprick. And since you get the test done locally, it means that people can be identified and triaged very, very quickly and efficiently. And it's also much safer for everybody involved. Importantly, this simple test that they've developed is actually equivalent in terms of results in identifying Ebola to current laboratory testings, which is actually very, very reliable as a test. Now, a lot of this research has come from the research in health and in humanitarian crises, which is called the R2HC program. And a lot of this testing is using an underlying technology developed by a group called Biogene Limited, and they call this QRAPID. And basically, the idea of the R2HC program is based around improving our public health response to mass humanitarian crises, like the Ebola outbreaks, but similarly things like Zika and other infectious diseases that might spread. And this could be applied, or using the same biogene technology, adapted to other things such as Zika, MERS, SARS, flu, and even dengue virus. But we could also maybe adapt the technology to work for bacterial parasitic infections, which might include meningitis and malaria. And that's because it's using a special genetic type testing, looking for certain key genes and genomes that goes beyond otherwise typical tests. And we need technologies like this to be developed, not only because it helps save lives, but it helps make not only 
those who have potentially contracted disease safer, but also that and improve the lives and re reduce the risk of those looking after them. And meaning that we can make sure that people are treated quicker, sooner, more cost effectively and closer to the actual homes. All of these considered make this advancement probably something that's gonna help us out a lot in the future and better protect us from any further Ebola outbreaks in West Africa or anywhere else across the world. So this is some great research being done at Northumbria University in the UK. Now, Ebola was one of the huge outbreaks of 2014 through to 2016. But from 2015 through to 2017, one of the bigger health challenges has obviously been the Zika virus. And that spread in a different part of the world, uh, but was nevertheless quite devastating. Not in the same way that Ebola was, for sure. Um, the symptoms and the end results is often very different. And the potential outflows were very different in nature. Zika could be more hidden, carried back uh, through carriers who didn't really get the worst of the symptoms, and then later potentially seeing major issues for people who are pregnant or carrying children, with them, the children ending up with developmental difficulties. So Zika was a more hidden, or at least disguised, disease outbreak, and that made it more devastating from a public health perspective because you had people travelling back to their home countries and thus exposing other people to this disease. And as a mosquito-borne disease, Zika as well is a little bit harder to treat. Mosquitoes are much harder to stop you coming into contact with, rather than with Ebola, where you basically have to avoid coming into contact with secretions and fluids from people that or animals that are infected. That's a little bit more quantifiable. But a mosquito is much harder to stop. And also much harder to track. One of the other big challenges of the Zika virus is that the tests to actually determine if you had Zika were also very opaque and difficult and slow. And even if you had a test, you could end up with a false positive, which may just be identified that you were a carrier and not necessarily that you had the disease or still had the disease. So a group of researchers from Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, have developed as much more groundbreaking and effective test that relies on a simple paper-based diagnostic method, rather than having to do expensive and complicated genomic screening or blood tests. And it can diagnose Zika within about 20 minutes. Now, importantly, it helps reduce massively the amount of false positive because it can distinguish between Zika, a mosquito-borne virus, and Dengue, another mosquito-borne virus, which unlike many other Zika tests that are out there at the moment, they can't really tell the difference. Now, the big problem is that where Zika and Dengue and other mosquito-borne diseases like malaria are prevalent is places that have a lot of difficulties in also doing really, really good testing. So in these countries where these diseases are prevalent, where outbreaks are starting, it's really, really difficult to actually test people accurately using the gold standard, which is viral RNA tests in the bloodstream. So if you can have a, a test that can actually differentiate between things like Dengue and Zika, especially since they can often be carried by the same mosquito, it means that you can isolate and identify which outbreak you're dealing with, what that particular patient has, and whether or not you need to treat them in a certain way very, very quickly and efficiently. So this group of researchers at MIT recently published their 
their method in the Science Translational Medicine Journal. And it brought across people from uh, the Department of Mechanical Engineering as well as Biomedicine and a number of other different fields at the university. Now, the problem with diagnosing Zika is that most of the tests out there at the moment are based around antibodies that react with a viral protein called NS1. And you can find that viral protein in the bloodstream of many infected patients. Pretty much the issue is that most other what we call flaviviruses, which include West Nile virus, dengue virus, yellow fever virus, and so on, all have similar versions of NS1 there. So you can pick up the prevalence of NS1, but you don't really know which of these diseases that you have. So to create a more precise diagnostic, you need to find specific antibodies that would only react with the NS1 produced by Zika virus, not the ones produced by other viruses. And so basically, they tried to isolate and identify antibodies that only reacted with the Zika virus NS1 protein not the other viruses NS1 proteins. And that required a lot of testing, of not only Zika, but all the other diseases as well. And so they had to create five separate tests, one for each virus. And they coated strips of paper with an antibody from each of the pairs. And, and a second antibody was attached to some gold nanoparticles. Once you just drip the patient's blood onto that strip of paper in the different places, the patient's blood will react and trigger off these gold-coated nanoparticles. And you can use that to identify, through a coloured spot appearing on the strip, whether or not which of the different diseases that you may have. And basically, by a paper-based indication, you can test for five different flaviviruses all at the same time, and also identify exactly which one of them you have, which can help immensely public health identification, treatment, and tracking of these disease spreading across the world. And what they found is that, well, basically, this test is pretty much equivalent in accuracy with a polymerase chain reaction or a PCR test, which also looks for detecting viral RNA in the bloodstream. So you're looking for a different method, but a, a similar approach. It's just as good as that lab test with this paper-based test. And it only takes 20 minutes instead of requiring large amounts of blood to be drawn and sent back to a lab. So actually, it's much more practical and useful and can be rapidly deployed in countries where an epidemic is starting to spread. And this is incredibly important because things like dengue and Zika affect millions of people annually. And it occurs in tropical regions. But because the diseases are not necessarily fatal, or at least immediately, they can spread really rapidly across the world. And we saw this with Zika. We saw it ending up in places from South America, to the Caribbean, to Africa, then to the tropics in Southeast Asia, and all the way across the world. And that kind of outbreak mechanism is what is quite typical of mosquito-borne viruses. So keeping track of them and being able to quickly test, isolate, and identify which exactly one you have, and begin treatment for that, is incredibly important. So this is some great work being done by a very large team of researchers from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. New quick, efficient and cheap tests for Zika and Ebola will help us in the next outbreak be better prepared and isolate and identify patients faster and safer. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.